0: It
1: profit if nothing profit is little you can
0: use it. That's it's just, right it just profit,
1: profit is nothing. See, Ooh. I wish I could hear I wish I could hear myself I think it's cool when we have the headphones on and you can hear each other hear yourself. Tell Jonathan that he's devil. It's kind of fun. So Jason goes to school with us and he went on preaching tour with you Yeah last
0: this past last summer. summer this past yeah.
1: summer Um. And Jason's actually in my class of 20... 24! Dude, we graduate in May. Yeah, we really have a couple months
0: left. No, for yeah. real. <laughs> Final stretch, man. Yeah. Jonathan's going to be it? stuck here another year. So what are you doing after school? Yeah, bro, honestly, I don't know. I, uh, I think it's hard to know. I, I, it's funny because, like, being a senior, like, I feel like a lot of people get asked that question. Like, oh, what are you going to do after Bible college? And <laughs> all of us have the same answer. Like, I don't know. Like, some of us, of course, there's a few, like, that do know, but I'm getting married in, in August. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's exciting. And, uh, to to Rachel and Mm. uh, Baloo, send it Cindy Wesson. Just, there we go.
1: Actually, Rachel blue is our sound girl tonight. Yeah. yeah. uh, She's behind the camera. Uh, after school, are you going to go back to Denver?
0: Yeah. So I, I've been born and raised in Colorado. And so I have a huge burden for Colorado. I want to see Denver, set on fire with the Holy Ghost, um, but I I don't know. I mean, I've talked to my pastor, and I, I know one day for a fact that I'll end up in Denver. I just don't know if I'll start in Denver, but I will be in Denver Interesting. for the long
1: term. So you think, like, you would go somewhere, like, even overseas or something like that, and then you'd come back? I think
0: it's possible. I don't want to rule anything out because, like, to be honest, I don't know what the will of God for my life is in me, just being honest. You know, it's January. And, uh, Why do you not know? Yeah, he just hasn't he hasn't <laughs> let me know yet.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing either. <laughs> we'll see. I'm just gonna roll with the punches. Um, okay, today we brought Jason. This is episode Oh my gosh. Twenty nine. I don't think so. Oh. This 30. is an episode. an episode. This is about an episode the boat. <laughs> Not sure which one, but it's below thirty and above twenty eight. Anyways. Twenty nine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> you're right <No. laughs> 30, I'm okay, it's gotta be 29 then Um. And <laughs> Jason has a topic for us today And you're gonna be talking about the ide- our identity in Christ Yes Oh, I yes. have a lot to say about this Let's you, hear it, man You can, well, I mean, I'm gonna be asking you a lot of questions Because All right, yeah.
0: identity is my issue over here, so Okay, you wanna well, get started? I think from the beginning the Bible tells us to, that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. But I think, I think we've got the worship him in spirit part down overall as a Pentecostal church. But I think we lack, in many ways, uh, worshiping him in truth. And what I mean by that is I don't think, as a whole, the apostolic body knows who we really are. I think we have minimized the Holy Ghost to just merely speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and to just the tongues experience. And it's exciting is that tongues is just a, is a byproduct of the Holy Ghost. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues simply by itself is not the Holy Ghost. It is the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. But that's just surface level. That's like the beginning, the opening. You've, you've walked in the door, you've spoken in tongues, and now there's this whole world of living in the Spirit, that is just different and I don't think we tap into that fully interesting.
1: It's funny because don't you hear a lot of preachers all the time Everyone speaking the Holy Ghost
0: <laughs> I think it's important to speak in tongues, but I think I think it Amplifies to a greater degree when we understand who we are. For example um, The Bible says for us to come boldly before the throne of grace But it also says who are who is man that thou art mindful of him so I remember when I was a kid I would look at my pastor's office and that was like like holy ground. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like pastor's office is like sacred. Like you have to like wash your feet before you walk. Like, I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, <laughs> like you want to be like clean, like you repent over your mind, like over your heart, like if you walk he's in there, see there he's through my soul everything they're just like, "Oh my goodness." So, and so if I ever got to go to pastor's office to, you know, grab a key for him or, you know, hey, can you grab this for me, or whatever. It was always like like a, an honor to get to go to pastor's office, even if it was just to, I mean, grab his backpack or I don't know what it was. Um, but I would see his kids like bust open the door and just run into pastor's office. It didn't matter if he was in a meeting. Um, but to me, that's pastor's office. Like you don't do that, but to them, that's not just pastor that's pastor, but it's also dad. And so for us as apostolics and, and even just spiritual believers, I think we had to get past of, past the idea and the concept of, oh, that's God. We don't come before him in, in mm-hmm. just any way. We have to be all perfect and suit right and make sure we've repented and gone through all steps of, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah.
1: The, brother, I don't know if you saw it, Brother Morgan literally talked about this on a podcast. On a, on a
0: podcast? Yeah.
1: He was talking about come boldly before the throne, mm-hmm. and he's like, you don't have to go through, you know, the nine steps to come in. He's Absolutely. literally the Lord's prayer says, come boldly. Was it the Lord's prayer? Yeah. Something like that it says, come boldly before the throne. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through all those steps. And that's what a lot of people I have for years thought. I was like, okay, now I have to go to the lava of water first. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I got to do this, this, this. And it's like, you know, an hour goes by it's like, okay, <laughs> God, now this is what I need. You right. I mean? Right. So right. you're kind of correlating with what he said. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's definitely, I think that as children of God, like that's, it's God. Absolutely. He is God almighty. And, In our finite minds, we can't even begin to understand how powerful he really is. But he is a father. He's an everlasting father. And he made us as his kids. And so understanding us as in our role as in sonship, I think understanding sonship really uh, enhances our relationship with the Lord. Because it's not like, man, I have to earn God's love or I have to, you know, my dad loves me. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've messed up. My dad still loves me, and I know that, and um, I think it's the same way with God. I know it's the same way with God. The Bible talks about if your father, which is on earth, doesn't give you good, he knows how to give you good gifts, then how much more than your father, which is in heaven, you know?
1: I know when when you're talking about worship and spirit and truth, if you want to go deeper on that, because I know there's a lot of times when I hear that verse, I used to think, I don't know if I've always thought this way, but I know for the most part I think of that verse when I hear it, it's like, okay, in spirit and truth, I think, okay, if I'm sitting in church and I'm just like on autopilot and I'm literally like worshiping and everything, but I'm literally not even thinking about God at all. I'm thinking about like, oh, what am I going to eat after church or right, something? Right, right, It's like, okay, well, that's not wor- worshiping like in truth. You're kind of putting on a show. Or like, okay, I'm going to be real here. I feel like there's sometimes like, if I sit still at the front, people are going to be like, what is wrong with this kid? Like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, no, hold on. Let me put on my hands. So, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, I can put my cloak on so that everyone thinks I'm okay. So I'll just like worship. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, here comes the bridge. All right. Start waving your hands. Start waving your hands. Wash the windshield. And that's like, that's how I think sometimes. And then I realize I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not even, I'm not even worshiping God right now. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, it does. Do you think that verse is talking about that? Worshiping spirit and truth, or am I completely off?
0: You know, you brought up a lot of things I'm and sorry. I like—I just want to like touch on everything you said. Um, okay, well, let's, let's maybe approach it like this. Um, let's just, let's, let's maybe talk about who we are and then kind of go from there. Because I think when, as I was talking about sonship, knowing, understanding the role of sonship, then we understand how to worship in spirit and in truth. I think it definitely leads into that. And so um, all, and, and it starts all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, right? We all know this. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the earth. And so the Bible keeps going, well, we're the only thing that is created in God's image, right? Mm-hmm. The giraffes were not created in God's image. The, uh, the lions and the elephants, they weren't created in God's image. And this is because that everything in creation is a product of God's word. It is a product of what he said, right? God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the firmament divide from the waters. And it was so, and he, he said, let the trees blossom and, and grow and, and have seed after their kind. And, and it was so, but with man, he formed us with his hands and we are a product of God's handiwork, but <clears throat> excuse me, this is why we're made in God's image. It's not that God has the silhouette of a man and that he's up there and he looks just like you and me and the way that we're built. But it's the fact that he touched with with, with his hands and molded us and shaped us out of the dirt. And it's really cool. I was actually, I was talking to, I've talked to several people about it over the last several days. It's super interesting to me that dirt is a type of the flesh. And so... Let's just kind of spitball with me here for a little bit. Okay. Dirt is a type of the flesh. This means that I believe before we receive the Holy Ghost, we are all just piles of dirt. Uh-huh. Dirt is insignificant. Dirt yeah. is meaningless. I mean, it's it's important, and, it, and we can use it to garden and do all these things, but do you ever think about the dirt that you walk on when you're walking through a field every day? Never. I know. (laughs) I never do. You know what I'm saying? But like dirt is so insignificant and the dirt in the garden, I believe before God touched it was insignificant. And that's what we are without the Lord. We're insignificant, meaningless. Our lives mean nothing if we don't have God. And so what God did was he touched and he formed man. And when God gets a hold of us, we are no longer just meaningless and a pile of dirt, but we have a form that means something. Mm-hmm. And not, and then when, and then after that, he breathes into us the breath of life. And and though we're not receiving a breath of life, you know, physically anymore, but now we're receiving a breath of life spiritually. And this breath of life, of course, being the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Genesis one twenty six says, "Let us make man in our image and in our likeness." Well, that image, we understand that. It is because we're a product of his handiwork, right? We're a product of what he did with his hands. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible says that he not only made us in his image, but in his likeness. And that word likeness there means to be made, uh, to have the same attributes of, to have uh, characteristics of, and the sameness. And so in other words, we aren't simply just made in his image, Right. God didn't just make Adam make him a form of Adam, but he breathed into him the breath of life and gave Adam something to live for, gave Adam characteristics. And as it is with us nowadays, we don't just we're not when God touches our lives, he comes back in and touches when Jesus gets a hold with his hands and touches this pile of dirt that we are, not only where we're given a form. But also then he breathes into us the breath of life, which is the Holy Ghost. And we are then take on his likeness. That word likeness, again, like I said, is is the attributes of the characteristics. So we are the only thing that can do what he does. And the very first thing that God gives us as an attribute is dominion. When
1: When do we go from dirt to being to that next step? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think that
1: when we no longer dart.
0: I think we're always gonna be dirt. <laughs> well, like truthfully, you know. Yeah. Um, when are we gonna be good ground. dirt? When are we gonna be good dirt? Yeah. Well, it's cool because we see. I think the minute we give our lives to the Lord, we become good dirt. The rent, the But it's also important to come back to dirt. But that's a whole other <laughs> a other thing. But my point is, is we're good dirt when we give our lives to the Lord. That minute that somebody walks in, and even the the kid that walked that slept into our pew all his life. I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but I grew up in the church and I was born and raised in this thing and I've lived it and I've gone through it and, but it wasn't always like this truth wasn't always mine, but I'll never forget. I was a 14 year old kid and that's kind of late to get the Holy Ghost being born and raised in this thing, but I was 14 years old when I got the Holy Ghost and uh, I'll never forget when I first got the Holy Ghost, like everything changed for me. Like this thing became real. Mm-hmm. I, I I had more purpose than I ever would have had and not not saying that everything was perfect after that. Like I feel like I made a lot more mistakes after I got the Holy Ghost than before, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, much was, is that story for everybody? But yeah. for me getting the Holy Ghost, it, it just changes your outlook. i you ever see somebody get the Holy Ghost. It's like they have purpose. Yeah. They're, they have like actual life. And of course that's what you're born again, but it's just different. You yeah. know, they're, i think good dirt at that point you know what i'm saying
1: i know, I know years ago i i had um gotten the holy ghost when i was like oh god eight or nine and then after that i didn't i didn't care much just moseyed on my way and then randomly in middle school like god got me one service and then bam it's like My outlook on life changed Mm -hmm. drastically. Stopped hanging out with certain friends, got new friends, stopped doing this, started doing this. Now I started like really focusing on like church and all these
0: things. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's just interesting because the very first thing that God did on this earth was he planted a garden and then he forms us out of the dirt, out of the dust of the ground Mm. and he makes man. And then fast forward, Jesus comes and he dies on a cross and is buried in a tomb, and the first thing that he is recognized as is a garden, a gardener. Mary thought he was a gardener in the garden, Hmm. and so, well, what does all this mean, right? He loves gardening, and it's interesting because I think even in the church, we put so much emphasis on spiritual gifts instead of the fruits of the Spirit, Mm -hmm. right? If God really is a gardener, And he loves to water. He loves to plant. He loves to grow. I mean, there's parables all about it, all, I mean, throughout the Bible, because he's a gardener and he started with us as dirt. We're like, we are like walking plants, walking around (laughs) that like, you know, are the representation, the manifestation of God's glory. And so it's just cool to think that even with, okay, within, we're talking about identity and and I hope I'm kind of staying on topic here. I'm kind of going off on rabbit trails or whatnot, but even within the confounds of identity, understanding that like we're dirt it kind of puts things into perspective when you know the weeds of sin start to sprout yeah or am i really producing good fruit yeah but it also even then like fruit i think people want fruit like right now you know i think people treat fruit like the gifts of the spirit and again i think we put a lot of Emphasis on gifts. We think gifts fight hell, right? Everybody wants a gift of prophecy. Everybody wants gifts of healing. Everybody wants a gift to faith and because those are seen gifts and that's powerful, but gifts don't fight. Hell fruit fights. Hell mm-hmm. you realize you find all nine, all the fruits of the spirit on the cross for it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. There was a lot of peace on that cross peace be still when you're, you know, it is done. There was a lot of love on that cross. There was a lot of patience on that cross, long-suffering on that cross. You think about it. You, you can find all the fruits of the Spirit on that cross. It's because God's a gardener. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There, there our Savior is nailed to a tree, displaying fruit, birthing a church, and they, poke, they, they stab his side and out flows blood and water as he birthed us, the church.
1: This might be a
0: dumb question, but um,
1: obviously we should pray for the fruits of the spirit, which now that you're saying it, I have not prayed for the fruits of the spirit in, in a minute. Yeah, Because <laughs> honestly, I'm not going to lie. I think one of the fruits of the spirit is patience, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. kindness. Yeah. I don't want to be tested through those things. <laughs> It's interesting. I don't want to be put through a trial. where I have to learn patience. Yeah.
0: I've thought about that. I've thought about it a lot. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a church service or been around people that are like never pay for patience. Like I have, yes, I have somebody in my life who says, like, bro, don't ever pray for patience. Yep. Like I pray for patience and God gave me my daughter, you know, like, <laughs> her, like stuff, stuff like that. And it's just like, man, like that's crazy. But I don't, that's I don't true. think that that kind of, I think that kind of mindset, um, just shows a lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Because if if, oh, if we're supposed to demonstrate him, when when I shake your hand, the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. So when I shake your hand, Brother Chris, I can see that you're a very outgoing, very uh, welcoming person when you want to be. Sometimes <laughs> you just hate everybody. But there's a lot of times when we're around Chris, like you can... Stir up a crowd like nobody's business. And like people like, you just, you're a natural born leader. People want to do things like just following you. And so there are gifts of the spirit that you are naturally just, you just have. There are gifts of the spirit that naturally, are fruits of the spirit that naturally Jonathan has, and myself included. Well, if I know that I lack joy, I know for a fact I lack joy. Well, I, and Jonathan is thriving in joy. Well, then I need to get around Brother Jonathan and really get a hold of that 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 joy that he has if i lack patience and i know that i need patience well i need to find somebody who has that fruit and i need to start taste and see that the lord is good through them and this goes back to being made in his image it's not that again he is a silhouette but i do think that he was that even the design of our bodies everything that he made in us and how he made us was so intentional and it had so much it, it's just intentional right if we we have fingers. And so we could understand that we would hold on to this truth and never let it go. But if we had hooves, then we couldn't grab anything, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. My sheep know my voice and they hear me. Hear my voice and they know me, the Bible says. And so even in all that, like how you're made and what you're made of is a representation, not representation, but it definitely uh, helps us understand the ways of the spirit and how God, how much God really does love us. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, uh, I've talked about it before. um, But I think even with that, a lot of people really misunderstand uh, their place within the body. For example, um, I mean, I've talked about it that I think a lot of times people really elevate the preacher. and Mm -hmm. It's just, if you're not a preacher or a singer or a piano player or whatever, then like you've missed it. Like you're just not called or you're not whatever. And that's not true. Yeah. Right? I have a body and and a heartbeat that beats in my chest. Well if that heart ever comes out of my chest and something that's unseen then becomes seen, like my body will not function and die. Yeah. If my lungs are taken out, I'll die. So I need things that are unseen and I think need things that are seen. Um yeah, I don't know. Talk to me, man. Uh, so you look when like you, you were going to say something. Sorry, well, him. because
1: I'm, I'm, I have the question in my head. Man, I don't have my notepad tonight. But you're talking about identity in Christ. And one thing that always runs through my mind, and I don't know if you were planning on even touching on this, but I was kind of hoping that you might. Uh, so a lot of times people will come up, and I don't know if anybody else, has this happened to them, but a lot of people will come up and say, you know, something to you say like, Oh, like I see this on you. The anointing is all over you or something like that, whatever. And it could be me. It could be anybody else, but I'm giving you a vague example. And they say this and it's been like multiple different people that have said the same thing over the past several years. And it's like, what do you people see? And I know that, I don't know if it was you or somebody else that said that it's like, uh, not false. Uh, interpretation or something like that where I have, I can't see it for some reason. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. You said something like, oh, you're, well, we're our harshest crit- critics. Mm-hmm. So like when people say like, oh, I see, you know, I see this on you, I see this on you. And I've had that said from the same, uh, same thing, different people. And I like crave to like, can't, I want to see what you people see. Like, what, why is there scales on my eyes? Why can't I see what you see? Is it me just like being like super like insecure or something that like I can't believe it or refuse to believe it. I don't know.
0: Well, I've gone keeping me humble or something. I think, <laughs> uh, naturally, you know, every area where you fall short and we're always our, our worst critics always, no matter what. Um, I think that, when people say that they see things on you, and it's and it's not just something that, oh, I just somebody said one time, but it, you know it's of the Lord. Because there are different times. Like, yeah. there are times where people are like, that saith the Lord, and it was really the saith the flesh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. it. it uh,
1: what was I going to say? Like, okay, they say, mm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example or how to word this. How do you see... You know that song? All I can think of right now is that song that says, you are, wait, how's who you say I am?
0: I yeah, am, am who you about? say I am.
1: I am who you say I am. Okay, and then I was just reading in Romans the other day. It was talking about something about um, us seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. Okay, mm-hmm. there's my question. How do we see ourselves the way that God wants us to? To see ourselves does that make sense? Yes. Yes So I think
0: we can go back to like how I mentioned in genesis how we are not just made in his image But we're made in his likeness. We have the characteristics of god. We don't have all of them, right? We're not gonna we can't speak and Like create a whole new earth. That's just no we don't have that power That (laughs) ability, right? I mean god rebuked job and was like Where were you when I told the waves that you can only go this far? Where were you when I hung the moon and the stars? So we don't have all, but we're not on, We are not God, yeah. but we have God living on the inside of us. And so living with the understanding of being made in his image and made in his likeness, I think really, really helps. Because when you understand that you were made in his image and in his likeness, passages in First in Peter, when it says that you're a called gen, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, those things become more understandable. And it's not just a preaching point that makes everybody get excited. It's like, man, like... Like I'm a, I am a joint heir with Christ. I'm a son of the King, like the ruler and over all the world. Like understanding that aspect is like, wow, you know what I mean? Like I really am God's child. And when you understand that you're his child and you have a relationship with him, like, like you can believe that you're his favorite. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any siblings? Yes. One. So I don't know how it was in your house, but when I was a kid, I would always ask, like, hey, dad, like, mom, I know, come on, you could tell me, I'm your favorite, (laughs) you know? And they would always tell me, yeah, you're my favorite kid. Oh, my gosh. But then they would tell my siblings the same thing Oh, when they were, like, by themselves. Like, my mom would say, tell me, Jason, you're my favorite. And then she would tell my sister, you know, you're really my favorite. And then she'd tell my brother, yeah, you know, you're really my favorite. And honestly, like, I think at one point or another, they all, she meant it in all of those situations. But when we're all together, yeah, I don't have favorites. But I think it's the same with the Lord. Like, I really believe that I can be God's favorite. I really believe that you could be his favorite all at the same time. Mm. He's got a lot of love to go around. Uh, I don't think favorite for the Lord really means that it has to be, like, you know what I mean? Like, not just one, but I think he can genuinely love us all. Like, favorite, favor us all. Like a favorite kind of love. You know what I mean? No. I don't. I think that... You spend a lot of time with the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time with the Lord in prayer. Does that mean that, let's say you pray for two hours and I pray for one hour, that you're more valuable to the Lord than me? Yes. I don't, I'm that's kidding. Not I'm true. kidding yeah. The problem with that kind of idea, and, that, and so I think as a genera- as a whole, we have to get rid of the idea of performance-based relationship, performance-based love, because my dad doesn't love me because I mowed the lawn for him. Or because I uh, wiped the counter down correctly, or took out the trash yeah. right, or you know did the dishes properly, he loves me because I'm his kid, yeah, I'm his son, and as it is with the Lord, we don't have to pray for 17 hours every single day to earn God's love. Yeah. It is freely given to us. That love was given over on a cross when he died on in on a tree on Calvary for you and I. We don't. It's not that we have to just keep going and man like. What do I have to do to earn your love today? You know That's what I mean. True. And so, because when because I understand that, the, like the Lord really does love me, I understand that. Okay, Lord, I love you, and I have come to, to that conclusion. And and I think honestly, half the battle is accepting that, because I think we have such warped views of physical fathers and earthly fathers that it warps our view of the heavenly Father.
1: I feel like, um, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here when I say this because I've said it so many different times, but and for other people who might have gone through the same similar situation, whether it be a mom or a dad, whether you don't have that parent growing up, like for example, I didn't have my dad growing up, I feel like I don't say this out loud, but in my head I feel like subliminally in the back of my mind I'm thinking to myself, okay, because that void is there, I have to in a sense, seek attention in another way or earn my love from somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's why like with my friends, <laughs> like I love buying them gifts. Cause I feel like, and I like, I have to kind of almost buy their friendship sure. in a sense, even though that they love me. Like yeah. they're my friends, so I don't need a gift, but I feel like in the same way with God, I was literally doing what you're saying is like, okay, if I'm not like, you know, if I don't put in my time in prayer today, like, you know, God doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's, it sounds again, elementary, but it's so, in the way, it, powerful in a sense, even though it's so simplistic that, okay, you are a child yes. of the king and he's going to love you no matter what. And honestly, I feel like I would love to know what that feels like, but I feel like I can't experience that until like I have a kid.
0: You know what I mean? Sure. Because yeah. I won't know what that's Absolutely. Like. Absolutely. I think that kind of thinking has crippled people and hindered them even from like fulfilling the call of God that he's mm-hmm. put on their lives. The purpose of... Uh, well, our our intent design doesn't matter if you preach, doesn't matter if you sing, doesn't matter if you're—whatever you do, your intention of design is for relationship. That's why you're created. There are other things that we do, and that's awesome. There are callings that God has put on our life. But your first call ha- has to be relationship. Yeah. That was what we were made for in the garden. Yeah. Just, he wanted somebody to hang out with, somebody to talk to. And so he thought, what can I do, what can I make that— will love me but won't be forced that will choose me Mm -hmm. and then he looked at the dirt and so something so insignificant he looked at you and i as something so undeserving so worthless compared to the lord at least you know i'm not calling you worthless but you you understand the heartbeat of what i'm saying this. this is like he looked at the dirt and was like wow like that's what i'm gonna pick he think about it all the animals were already created the majestic of, of the uh, birds that would fly in the air, the, the dolphins that were already like splashing around, like the lion even everything that was, all, was already created. And he looked to the dirt. It's like, yeah, that's what I want to worship me. Do you, th-
1: okay. Do you think, I know you talked about it crippling someone. It could possibly cripple someone's either walk with God or like the call of God that they, they have on their life. And I know with me, for example in the identity of god i feel like i've had such a false idea and like thought in my head of like mm-hmm. what my identity was in christ that i believed it for so long for god knows 20 something years that i didn't think there was any other way mm-hmm. and so because of that i um didn't walk in the call of god i was like okay how, no how am i going to be called you know like that's crazy how would I feel like I'm kind of getting over it, but in the same sense, it's like, how do you help?
0: What would you say to somebody who's going through that same thing that doesn't believe that they can be used by God? I think that you have to come to the revelation of the body. Like, but of course, I need you. It's not a a and or like I may I could do it with you, but or, you know, without you, but I'd rather have you No, like I need you. And when you understand that you're needed in this, God says, it's not that God absolutely can do it without us. He could have done it without us from the beginning, but he chose us and love is a choice. So from the, before we were, when we were dirt, he loved us. And so I think understanding the revelation of, of the body and how the body really functions will really, really, really help. And uh, I've talked about it before, but the inner circle, Right. Mm -hmm. Back in Jewish times, in Jewish history, right, when Jesus was walking the earth, he was considered a rabbi. And every rabbi had their disciples, but they also had an inner circle. And an inner circle can usually can made up it was made up about two or three people that were just a little bit closer. They saw things that the other disciples didn't see. And for Jesus, the inner circle was Peter, James, and John. We love Peter, all right, we talk about Peter all the time. Everybody wants to be Peter. Right now, everybody wants to be Peter, the one who's preaching the day of Pentecost, who is bold and excited and loud. Everybody wants to be Peter. We love Peter. Then there's John, the revelator. John, the one, that the youngest of everybody, kind of the underdog, if you will. He was the youngest, but he laid at Jesus' chest. He was the last one at the foot of the cross. He was the one that Jesus told who would betray him. He, John knew that Judas was betraying him. Um, but then we get to James And I mean, we've talked about this several times But Jonathan and I But We don't know anything about James Nothing And if we believe that the Bible is intentional With everything that he says It is the inerrant word of God is perfect God's word, absolutely Then that means that everything that is written Was divinely ordained by God But that also means that everything that was not written Was also divinely ordained by God In that word and We know a lot about Peter We love John, but we don't know anything about James. James was John's older brother. I'm talking about John, uh, or James, the son of Zebedee, not James, Jesus' stepbrother, James, the son of Zebedee. Zebedee, John and James were, they were sons of thunder. They were loud and boisterous in nature. And so, but he's silent. And in that time, to... uh, when you became a, a, a disciple of a rabbi, you would take on the yoke of your master. They knew the, the Torah like the back of their hand. They could quote it like that. And so it wasn't about how much you knew about the Bible, but it was your interpretation of the Bible came from your rabbi. For example, if, if you were my rabbi and you wore blue suits all the time, then I would do that just like you <laughs> because I want to be just like you. I want I'm going to take on your yoke. Yeah. Well, that's what Peter, James, and John all did. But James took on the side of Jesus that not not everybody wants to take on and we know that we we know we need Peter and we know that we need John but we really need James too just as much one third of the inner circle was silent and we don't know anything about him and that was by God's design one third of the inner circle the only thing we know about John or James excuse me the only thing we know about James is that he was you know James the son of Zebedee. He was loud and boisterous in nature and that he was the first martyr. And he's John's older brother. Hmm. That's it. That's all we know. James died in silence for everything that he believed in, died for this truth, gave his life for this thing, just like Jesus did. Rabbi Jesus would go silently as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, not giving any pushback with a, back, with a cross on his back. And he would die silently And James would see this and he would Die in silence But there's no doubt in my mind that James did exploits for the Lord There's no doubt in my mind that James As one of the apostles One of the twelve apostles Did all kinds of great things for the Lord But it's not written But Jesus knows about it And so for you and I We have to get rid of the social pressure Of performance based ministry For example Preaching it's powerful. but Preaching is not for performance. Preaching is not just to say the clever, catchy phrase so that people can clap. But also, that preacher, that man of God who's up there, isn't heard if there's not a sound man. Yeah. If there isn't somebody to come in and clean the church, then somebody—I'm going to be honest. If I was a new convert and I didn't know anything about this thing, and I walked in and the church was dirty, I wouldn't want to hear what the man of God had to say. You can't even take care of your own house. Why would I want to listen to you? Mm-hmm. So the janitor who comes in uh, in, the, in, the, in the late night hours when nobody knows about him, nobody's there to thank him, that's the one. That's, those are James. The intercessor who nobody thanks but prays and births things into revival. And then the evangelist comes and prays 100 people through the Holy Ghost. That evangelist probably was not praying. And I'm not saying that they don't. They yeah. pray for their cities. But that evangelist probably doesn't pray for one city every single day. Yeah, you know, it was the intercessor that was silent praying for that city and this goes back to the Understanding how the body works is I have hands that do things and I need these hands But if you cut my hand off, I can live without it <laughs> If you cut my feet off, I can live without them. I'll be fine But I have a heart again that that beats in my chest then this unseen thing ever becomes unseen or ever ever becomes seen I'll die yeah. We need people who are okay with not being seen. Yeah. If James was, would have become seen and tried to be Peter, then he would have missed the will of God for his life. And honestly, success in the kingdom of God is and always will be defined as your obedience to the will of God. If, God, if you and I are about to leave Bible college, we're about to graduate, so let's just say we're at zero. If God tells you to take 10 steps forward, and he tells me to take three steps forward. And I look at you at 10 steps and I'm like, man, Chris is 10, three, He's seven steps ahead of me. I've only taken three steps. He's taken 10 and I take seven more steps. Then I'll take those steps out of the will of God and I'll step without the Lord next to me. Hmm. Being in obedience and being what he's called us to do will bring the most fulfillment and it'll bring the most peace in our life. Yeah. The problem is we spend our time measuring ourselves horizontally yeah. instead of vertically. The Bible says it is unwise to compare yourself. Compare yourself not among yourselves. We are not to do that. Yeah. Yet we spend our time measuring our ministry. And I hate that term, our ministry. It's not your ministry. It's God's ministry. And you're the vehicle in which he has decided to use you and and to perform that ministry. And if you don't want to do it, then... It's his will that you do it, but if he, and he's not going to force you. He's such a gentleman. He won't make you, but he will find someone else who will. And so who are you to, what authority do you have? What authority do I have to think that I can judge what ministry is deemed successful? Mm-hmm. If I'm obedient to the voice of God, if I am obedient to what he said, then that's it. Nothing else matters. If I'm called to go home and to serve pastor and not touch another microphone again for the rest of my life, and I'm obedient and that's what God wants, but I touch a microphone, I'll be out of the will of God. It hmm. doesn't matter what gifts and talents He's put into me. It's okay to be silent, it is okay. To serve as a sound man it we it, we need the sound man and it's now and more than ever We've been virtual if we don't have cameramen and people to know that know how to work all the tech stuff Like there are people who don't get this gospel. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so I think for people who are maybe struggling in that area of man I don't know how to really comprehend what i'm called to do Well, will be okay with whatever god has called you to be. Yeah, because we're talking about the creator of the universe The one, like the God who told, hung the stars, hung the moon, told the sun, stand there. Creator that spoke things into existence. And everything we see, a manifestation of God's glory, that's the God that we serve. And that's the God that didn't start making mistakes when he made you. So when he made you and he gave you a specific calling, it's okay. You know, I think, I think it was um, in one of our chapels that... I think it was like Brother
1: Lopez. He said something like, um, do you guys, you know, believe that there's a God and everybody rose their hand? Like, do, do you believe that, you know, um, we all have a call or something like that? And um, he said something like, and if you don't believe that, you know, God can't use you or like you can't perform that call or something like that, then you call God a liar. Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, Ugh. yeah, how humbling.
1: No, and I was like, dang, it's true.
0: Yeah, I was reading Job. Uh, well, I read first Genesis 1 and I, I looked at Job 38 and if you go through Job 30, it's incredible what you see in that passage like he literally puts Job like Job's like Going through his rants or whatever, but then he literally just kind of like puts Job like Like hold his on place. Yeah, like don't you know who I am? Yeah, I'm the god that created Leviathan I'm the god that again told the the waves, you can only go this far and no more. And he goes through this whole list for like two or three chapters and finally Job's like, okay, 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 okay. And God's (laughs) like, no, like, I'm gonna ask you some more questions and you're gonna answer me. And then at the end of that, Job's like, okay, I can't answer you. Like, you're right. I'm sorry. And I think being okay with him being God and us not, like, his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. And when we come to grips with that, like, everything gets back into alignment. But... It also brings back in the revelation of, of sonship, right? Have you ever have you ever looked into uh, like the prodigal son and like that story at all mm-hmm. much? Um, the prodigal son, when he left and came back, he decided that he wanted to be a hired servant. Well, a hired servant is performance based; they perform to get money. That's mm-hmm. that's a hired servant. They're slaves. They they're not just slaves, but they're if you don't do good, then you're not getting paid. Yeah, that's what he desired to be was a hired servant, and the father was like, "Nah, like kill the fatted calf, then me put a ring on your hand. Like let's break open and have a grand feast because you're my son. I don't want you to be anybody other than what I've made you. Yeah. I don't want you. And I think, you know, we kind of get on, uh, we kind of get on young ladies a lot about, oh, you know, makeup or you know, cut your hair or whatever. It's Like. And we use that, that I think a lot of people can use the uh, argument, well, why would you want to alter what God's already made? Like, you're perfect, you're beautiful in your own way. <laughs> but it's like, even in, like, what about you? Like, why would you want another ministry when God called you to do this? Yeah. Why would you want to be anybody else when God called you to do X, Y, and Z?
1: Do you think, say God has called you to be a preacher? hmm and God has called Jonathan to be a custodian. Mm-hmm. And if Jonathan tried to go be a preacher, do you think there is a point in which God can still bless that?
0: Or God's just like, nope, you're on your own, buddy? Or. I think God loves his people. And so, with the example of the preacher, I think God loves his people so much. That he's willing to use any vessel. However, does that mean that it was his plan all along for Jonathan?
1: No. Okay, another question. If you're called to be a preacher, and let's say Jonathan's called to be a preacher, you answer the call, he, instead of being a preacher like in the way that God wants him to be a preacher... He, let's just say, doesn't exactly do preaching, but he does something within ministry, but it's not the call that God has called him to. Do you take that as him not answering his call and that's possibly putting other lives at danger of not receiving salvation because he's not answering
0: the call to the fullest potential that God has called him to? So when I hear questions like that, it makes me think of the parable of of the farmer with 30 fold 60 fold and 100 fold historically speaking they could have lived well off of an eight fold year in the harvest they could have lived really well off of an eight fold year but the bible talks about how they had 30 fold 30 fold if you can live really good on eight 30 fold is wow like you yeah. did that's pretty that's something and then it talks about 60 fold like man the abundance of blessing the abundance of harvest you would think it would go to 90, but it doesn't. It skips and goes to a hundredfold. And I think as it is in ministry, I can do well at 8fold. I can strive and do greater things and be at 30fold and stop there and people may look at me and say, "Wow, like he lived a great life." When when it's all said and done and I I take my last breath, people will think Man, he did a great life. But in God's eyes, it was like, yeah, that was good. But it was only 30-fold, and I had 100 for you. Mm. It was only 60-fold, but I had 100 for you. I do not want it to be said about my life that Jason did good. He did good. Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. But I just want to let you know you only got 60-fold. You only got 70-fold. It looked good to everybody else because you passed the 8 8 fold is living well and you got to 70 that's awesome but you missed 100 fold no yeah. you were too caught up with other things you were too caught up comparing yourself among yourselves looking horizontally as opposed to looking vertically yeah. if you look straight up right now like can you look straight up like straight up yeah like can you see me no can you see how many fingers i'm holding up no why not
1: Because I'm looking up. (laughs) Exactly. And it's an element. You can look back (laughs) down. But it's an
0: elementary concept, but like legit, legit in the spirit. If I'm looking at you, then I cannot be looking at him. Yeah. But if I'm looking at him, it doesn't matter what you're doing. And looking at him opens me up to be more obedient because now I see him. And now whatever he wants goes because my eyes are on him. And if I'm following him... With my cross on my back, to take my cross and follow Him, then I will get a hundredfold. At the end of the day, I want it to be said that, like He started, He was He was about to reach more than a hundredfold, so I had to take Him. Like a story like Enoch, I can't stand Him being down there anymore. I have to have Him up here with me. Like that's what I want the Lord to think about me. Like Son, you had you you pursued me, you loved me so much, and you did everything that I asked. You were so obedient that you got a hundredfold. come home. You know what I mean? Yeah. What'd you think? I'm just thinking of,
1: uh, I remember when <laughs> God called me to do a podcast and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I said, I'll help somebody who is doing a podcast. Maybe that'll work. And, um, every opportunity that I tried to do that, it failed miserably <laughs> and the door closed. And I'm like, okay, like, I was trying not to do the full thing. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do this. So I tried to like, oh, well, maybe he meant help <laughs> with one. But yeah, no, that wasn't his plan at all.
0: I'm glad you stepped out of the boat, bro. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> for real.
1: <laughs> no, that was honestly my first. Uh, my first time recording was the worst thing on earth. I listened back to it and I literally almost threw up. I was like, this sounds horrible. I don't know how people do this.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's funny because you always have a lot of great things to say like in your own mind or you think you have a lot of good things and I know so then you got there there's somebody like, with a microphone in uh, your face uh, and you're uh, like man like uh, yeah, I you got like, over everything but, <laughs> It's like what? No, I thought I had a, a whole
1: sermon I remember that reminds me of this one time I went to my mom's church And we get there and, and my mom's pastor's like I want you to preach on Sunday morning And I'm like huh? Like I've never preached for a service I don't, I don't think at that time Yeah, I've never preached for a service I was like No I don't want to do that, but obviously I was going to say no, I wanted to, but I was like, okay. So I wrote down like 20 pages and I'm like, man, I'm going to be one of those long winded preachers. Lord, I have to cut back. You got, that, you got through that thing Oh, in like was, 10 minutes, five huh? minutes, <laughs> five minutes flat. I went through the whole thing, 20 pages, blew through it. And I remember afterwards I was thinking, God, you know, like that was Either really long or super short, and so he went up there. The preacher was like, "Oh, like, oh, oh we're done, okay." Uh, and then so he went up there and you know added a little. And I remember at the end of the service, I was thinking, you know, like, man, like, I really stepped out of the boat, blah blah. Like that was my first time. And get in the car, my mom goes, "That was horrible." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! Thanks, mom!" And she was like, "Oh my gosh! You just blew through that a thousand miles an hour!" And I'm like, "Thanks." You know, a little helpful criticism would have been nice, but not
0: this. It was really funny. No, I don't know why I thought of that when you said that. (laughs) So now let me ask you, as somebody who has been very open and honest and very transparent uh, publicly about your journey, because I feel like you have received this call to preach. You've received this call to reach the lost, all these things. Uh, but you kind of had a, a Jonah moment of like, nope, not doing that. Like I remember, like listening to you had preach. A couple Jonah moments. <laughs> several, and and I think we all do. But like, what do you think, as somebody who is decided, you know what, like, like I know I'm called, but like I don't want to, or or maybe a feeling of, feelings of inadequacy, or feelings like, man, like if I, if, for example, the call to preach, mm-hmm. you look at your heroes a pastor or whoever your favorite speaker, whatever. And I think naturally it's like, man, I can never be that. So what, what, what was your journey like Like, of overcoming the man? I can never do that, man. I, I don't know if I'll ever be that way and becoming. So stepping where you are now, at least.
1: Okay. I knew I was called to preach. Didn't want to literally the biggest fear in the world of, holding a mic, getting on a platform, anything to do with it. So, obviously, he came to Bible College, and then that preaching tour thing, and uh, Brother Bishop, which I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but anyways, he apparently had uh, forced me onto the preaching tour, which I didn't know this until like two years ago. I found out that he was the reason I was on that. Yeah. I didn't sign up for it. So I was basically forced out of my comfort zone. So I don't know if it was... That was the beginning. It definitely was the beginning. Because I've been praying to God for years. I'm like, God, I need boldness. Mm -hmm. I need courage because I do not have any of that. I can't get up on a platform. like. And I know recently I've been learning. People have been saying that's a form of pride because I don't want to go up and like have people like judge me or whatever because I I care about what people think and I care what people are going to say about me. So I don't want to go up there. How embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do it all the time you get up on a platform I and mean, I'm roasting you and uh, she gets on a platform. She's singing. I'm roasting her. I'm roasting everybody all the time. I don't know if that's horrible, but <laughs> but I mean, I do it all the time. So I'm like, when I get up there, God, I'm gonna be roasted to death. So I was like, I don't be roasted. So I'm, I'm not going to do it. But then I got forced out of it. I got forced out of my comfort zone on that preaching tour. It really helped those two months of just horrible, miserable time in, my, in for my flesh. It was terrible. Mm. Then it came back. Thought it was like kind of good. Like, okay, good. I'm done. Don't need to do that again. Year two comes along. Happened again. And um, definitely that was a molding year because I compared myself with everyone in the group. Mm. Everyone in the group was different. But they all kind of had like some of the same similar things. Yes, we were unique in our own ways. But when you think of a preacher, at least when I think of a preacher, I think of very like, authoritative yelling and it's like <clears throat> if you're not yelling you're not preaching you know like that yeah, that's some how, yell it some tell it i know and that's what I, and you know i think to myself sometimes like well did jesus yell at the people Jeez. and so i would <laughs> but that's what i think of when i think yeah. of a preacher a lot of times is yelling so i was like okay well i'm not like that i don't yell like how am i how am i supposed to like okay I'm, i guess i'm not a preacher and every time i would hear them preach i would compare myself like i preach nothing like that I'm not like that at all, and I honestly, I'm like, I cried because I was like, "This is horrible." I'm not clearly. I don't know God's voice because He's telling me I'm a preacher, but clearly, I'm not a preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, very recently, that that trip took a lot out of me. It molded me. Let me tell you, that was the Potter's Wheel was preaching tour number two, because I compare myself like crazy, and I had to learn on that trip that. God called me for a reason and he's using my uniqueness for a reason. And I'm not called to be like those other people that were on that tour or that doesn't make any sense. You know, if he calls us something, he's going to use us in our unique way and not, you know, I'm not called to be another Jonathan. You know, there's only one Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And so I learned on that tour. It's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, of course I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. I'm not called to be like them. And so that's where I learned that like identity guess, in a sense. And I will say just this last New Year's, I feel like there was a, a breakthrough. And I don't know if it's because I was at home. I have never, with the, with the exception of one time, like three years ago, picked up a mic in my church, mm. like on, on, in the main sanctuary. I've never done anything in there. They had me open up for prayer one night. Let me tell you, I was shaking like crazy. I was like, I do not want to open up. And you don't want to up there. And I started opening up for prayer. People were still socializing. And I'm like, um, praise the Lord. Yeah. So my kids and I'm like, praise the Lord. Like, like, come on. Like, yeah. so whatever. Anyways. So this last, it was like two weeks ago was one was new Year's like two, three weeks ago. Something like that. Our pastor wanted all of the Bible college students to testify one to two minutes. And this Bible college called Indiana Bible College went first, and then the Ursin students went, and then CLC went last. And it was funny because we get up there. I we look back at this, we watch the live stream, we laugh because <laughs> our pastor whispers to us, I'm "Like wow, CLC brought their Bibles," because like me and one other student were the only people who brought Bibles up to the other. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, But whatever. It's okay. That's besides the point. Anyways, we got up there, and which was so interesting was at least I'm not, I'm only speaking for the people from CLC they got up there and literally they spoke with like such authority. And it was, it was so like edifying to see people that I've grown up with since I was eight years old, get up there and just like a side of them that I've never seen before. And it was that night. I don't know if it's because I was speaking to a body of people that I grew up with and I've never spoken in front of them before and they've Mm. never seen this side of me. I guess like, you know, before I was like, I was just crazy. Like I did I didn't do anything like that. But then I went to Bible college, totally changed God, turned everything around and went there. And I feel like that's where it broke finally. Cause now I don't thankfully, glory to God, I don't feel that much fear anymore. Like if someone asks me to do something, okay, I'm still gonna feel fear. I'm I'm not gonna lie, but I'm not as much as I was before. But when I got up there, it's like it was like something broke. I was like, mm. this is crazy. So it long story short, long journey. It's been almost Four years. And now so some people that might not seem long. It's like, well, Abraham and Sarah waited this long years. Okay, well, that's besides the point. Okay, this was four years. That's a long darn time.
0: Yeah, we don't live to be nine hundred years old. No, anymore. we don't. Four years is different. No.
1: Yeah. So four years of my life I went through this roller coaster of fear and like not what and even then, even though it was a two minute testimony, I'm not doing that. Like I did not want I had a flight to leave before that. And our pastor really wanted everybody to speak, and I was like, oh. So I switched the flight. I stayed longer and I did it. What's interesting is, is I say like, you know, like, Oh, you're not preaching. If you're not yelling and stuff, I kid you not. I don't know what happened. Grab the mic. (laughs) Within like 10 seconds. And I was like, what in the world? And I remember like all four of us, like we felt like we blacked out and we like, we watched it later. Like what in the world? Like who is that on the platform? I remember like afterwards, I'm like,
2: Oh my gosh, my throat. Like I I scratched it.
1: (laughs) But, no, I, I feel like I really, I know we're talking about identity. I feel like I really finally like understood my identity. Cause I remember being up there and saying to myself, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Mm-hmm. I don't want to measure myself to all these people. I just need to do what God has called me mm-hmm. to do. And I don't even know how I got on this tangent. Oh, you're talking about the journey. Okay. Yeah. So that was my
0: long journey of four years. So that's what I'm talking about. Finally getting over that fear. That's what I'm talking about. So when you, when you were on that platform, nothing else mattered to you. But you, and you just said it, nothing else mattered to you, but what God wanted. Yeah. And I think that is a very real moment for you of like, man, like looking at the King, the King has my attention. Nothing else matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's going on to the left, what's going on to the right. If he has my attention, like that's good. Yeah. I don't need anything else. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this mm-hmm. and maybe just stir some interesting conversation. I think A lot of people have felt what you felt. I don't want to get up there because I don't want to look dumb. I don't want to get up there because I... And maybe not even preaching. I don't want to go win a soul because I don't want to look stupid. Or I don't want to start a P7 because I don't want to fall on my face or whatever. I don't want to sing in the choir because I don't want to... Whatever.
1: I don't want to give a Bible study because what if they ask me a question and I don't know how to answer it?
0: Well, so that... That's true. Do you think... It is un- I think the fruit of the spirit are undertaught. Because if I think if we had more fruit in, in the in the body and more fruit developing in our gardens as dirt that we are, <laughs> then it would lessen that. Not get rid of it because there's still like normal insecurities and things like that. But I do think that it could reduce those feelings of like, man. Like I feel like if you felt more loved, maybe in the body at least. Then you could be man like I don't want to do this But at least I know that they got my back Like if I don't do what i'm supposed to do I'm gonna be okay, you know, and I think like i'm not just talking about C.L.C. in general, but like anywhere like man if I knew for a fact that If I trip and fall You know (laughs) even up the stairs or whatever or like through my words and stumble through it like but I do what i'm supposed to do then they're gonna receive it, and that everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Like, do you think we? I think we lack fruit in general. Like, I think a lot of people lack fruit. I, I think we hear about it in Sunday school one time. We sing the song like the "fruit of the spirit is a coconut." You know the song. Yeah. And no. then I think we just leave it at that. Like that's it. Fruit. Yeah. Move on. Cool. But that's like everything to us. It should be at least like, man, to not have fruit is to not be like him at all. Yeah. And if we can't be like him at all, how can we? Do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had mentioned before that the very, in Genesis one twenty six, let us make man in our image and in our likeness give him dominion over the birds of the air, the uh, the fish of the sea, every creepy thing, and, and the, the beast of the field. Well, that word dominion there is it's important. That's to subdue kingdoms, that is to tread on. And I mean, if we believe that we have the truth and that nothing can stop it, then, and we understand dominion's in our DNA, and we're not getting that, well, then something's out of balance here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think we need to understand who we really are as sons and sh- sons and daughters of God. That if you're called to be an evangelist and God tells you to go reach that city, nothing can stop you. Yeah. If you're called to start a podcast and God asks you to do it, nothing can stop this. If uh, if God asked. Brother Jonathan to be a pastor and to go to one of the most wicked cities in the world and pastor that city, nothing can stop him. But I think we get caught up in our finite minds and put boundaries on a boundless God. We put limits on a yeah. limitless God and that was never the intent and the design. Our intent is to do what he says and that's it. Yeah, No more, no less. Because if we do more, then we're taking that extra step, right? Like I said earlier, without him. And if we do less then we could settle for 30fold. Yeah. we could settle for 60fold. but I won't I refuse to settle for less. I have to get a hundredfold out of my life and you get a hundredfold by simply being obedient. You don't have to earn it. you know I mean you do, but you know what I'm saying like yeah. you don't have to beg for it, you don't have to anything. Just be obedient. Just do what God told you to do. Hear and repeat and if you if God asks you to preach, you get in a prayer room, you get a word from God. And you say what he told you to say and nothing else, nothing less, nothing more. God told you to be a businessman. Then you go be that businessman and you gain finances and financial blessings and you'll be, you be able to bless the missionary who comes into town. you be able to take care of whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We need the body. We need the mechanic who pays his tithes and is the best Bible study teacher ever. <laughs> we need the preacher who can bring us into alignment. We need the evangelist who will go out and reach people. We need the teacher to teach and to ground us into this truth. We need the pastor to watch over his sheep, the apostle to build. We need the prophet to prophesy and to course correct. But we also need the saint. We need the saint in the body of Christ. That's the heartbeat of this thing. We need the intercessor. We need the Sunday school teacher. And I think really Sunday school teachers are like super underrated. Like they're <laughs> some of the coolest <laughs> people in the world to me, you know. Uh, but I think revelation of, of the body, uh, we really need it. We yeah. really need a fresh understanding of the body and for
1: Sounds like we need to have a, um, a part two with you about the, the revelation. Who's, who are we going to have to talk about the was it the blood? Darcy. Oh Yeah. We want to have Dossier again talk about the, the power of the blood. Sounds like we need to have a part two with you now. About the
0: body? Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. Honestly, I, I don't know if we said it earlier, but it's been an honor getting to hang out with you guys <laughs> today. Like, seriously, thank you guys for having me on. For, like,
1: late at night. What time is it? It's, like, 11 something. No. Who? Oh, it's
0: midnight. Okay. <laughs> you just blasted all the viewers. I <laughs> know. <laughs> you know. If they their, ears if that, their so volume off, they're screwed. <laughs> okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Jonathan's been super talkative tonight. Yeah, right? I know.
1: Great. Wonderful. Bro, like, we I literally talked cut about cut this wanna, before, I want to hey? cut
0: off and let you guys speak because I don't want
1: to be the one. Oh, my gosh. Speak? Okay. Anyways, this has been That's episode false
0: 20, 29 of Out of the Boat. No, 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 no. <laughs> this has been episode. Lower than 30 and <laughs> above 28.
1: <laughs> That's honestly so embarrassing that I said that. I didn't even catch it.